Well, uh, welcome to uh, another episode of Unlikely Pilgrims, a podcast. We're on a roll. We're on a roll. We're on a roll. And, and today yeah, we're doing something a little, a little different. Uh, we've had aspirations of not just having a blog and a podcast, but also a vlog. Yeah. Uh, so we are recording this uh, with video and audio. So now you can actually see you us, which may be disconcerting. Maybe you prefer um, not to do that. And you can see us. And um, But if you are somebody who only has time to listen to us in the car, <laughs> you can still listen to the audio. And don't watch the video. No, we would recommend not doing that. Uh, even if your, team, your car might be able to pull that <laughs> off. Uh, but... One of the one of the reasons we like the vlog is we we both are whiteboard people. That's We're right. visual. We want to write things out. Sometimes you got to see the picture and, and how it fits together. And um, so if you want to watch it, if you have the time to watch it, you can. We'll post that. Uh, if you just want to listen to it, they could be these people who you know you can actually speed up yeah. so they can listen to us at like two times the speed. Right. So I don't think the video moves up. It may not. Way. Yeah, it may not work out quite as well. So it's um, scribble either way though. It, yes. Fast or slow. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, but today we want to talk about uh, this term that's getting a lot of traction right now, and it plays into our series on the divisions in the church, and it's Christian nationalism. Yeah. Uh, what is Christian nationalism? And uh, Dr. Spander and I both feel uh, comfortable talking about this topic. Uh, we've written dissertations that have addressed this mm -hmm. issue. Uh, we're kind of putting our Paul kind of street cred on the table here. <laughs> uh, we recently, or about a year or two years ago, we presented at a conference together on how Christians in the 19th century understood Christian nationalism. And so we want to talk about uh, this concept, this term that's being used. Uh, sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it seems like it's just a, mm. a pejorative term. Uh, and of course, what really has probably driven this conversation was the January 6th yeah, insurrection, right. uh, where you did have people who were, you know, standing on Nancy Pelosi's desk, right. you know, with a Confederate flag and with a Jesus save sign. Right. Um, we, we see these images. Uh, so uh, we need to get into this. So that's where we're going to head today. And we need the whiteboard, I think, to make sense of some of this. Right. Um, make it more confusing. And I think, ever. and I think, too, what we're going to bring to the table uh, one, we're going to give you historical perspective, but also dissect this word nationalism. And that I'm not, I, I mean, I, I'm not hearing that. I'm not hearing that in a podcast. I don't expect the media to be nuanced and, and, right. and dig into this, uh, but I'm not hearing that. And when I brought this topic up to you, right away, you had some real in deep thoughts about, well, why are you, know, you were like, why are we using the word nationalism? Does anyone know what that means? Like, you know, what would Franco think? And, <laughs> yeah, right. so, um, and so that's that's kind of what we want to do today. Yeah, that's what we want to do. And I and, and I guess, Dr. Draper, why? Okay, so you say you said just this past year, but why? I mean, it seems like this term. You you made this interesting statement before, and I think you're quoting somebody else that we've known for a while that when you get into a debate, it's always best to invoke Hitler at some point yes. to win the debate. Yeah. So this has been around a while. Well, you don't want to tweet anything about Hitler. That will get you fired. Oh, I see. I see. Right. But you, if you're in but if you debate, call yeah. someone. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. As long as the as long as you have the people on your side who agree okay. that they're Hitler. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but why 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 are we at a point where we're just we're talking about nationalism so often? Why why is that a hot topic? Yeah. Now? Yeah. Yeah. I I think uh, I've seen some of this conversation. Uh, people were people after 2016 went and said, "How did this happen? How did Trump win?" Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's one part of it. Okay. The other part I think was how did Brexit happen? Right. Okay. Right. We forgot how did America Brexit happen? How did it? How did uh, 
how did uh, Trump win? And then if you, you know, I, I have a friend of mine, his daughter was, uh, did a semester in Paris, an mm. art student at the Louvre. She was talking about the right-wing party over there. Mm. Uh, there's some powerful right-wing movements there. There's powerful right-wing movements in Germany now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, that, that so what, what you might, what might be happening is nationalism could be code for populism. Mm. Uh, I, I hear this. I don't know mm. what where to do with this yet. You touch a little bit this on the blog that you posted for us. Uh, is it is it global elitism versus yeah. populism and nationalism? Is that is there a tension going on there? Uh, I, I think these, but I think a lot of this, a lot of people, mm. it will be interesting. I remember I was we were just kids uh, when the Iranian Revolution happened. Right. And we had no idea, you know, we were just wondering <laughs> if we were going to get the new back, the, the Empire Strikes Back stuff, right? But the the regular people, the grown-ups, mm. particularly the seculars, were astounded mm. that this happened. That's right, that's right. It really threw them for a loop. Yeah. How did this happen? And I'm not so sure that the historians might not look back at this moment yeah. and say, man, the 20 teens, what happened there? Right. How did this we thought we kind of had things going along, and now England and America become populists or focusing on nationalism. Yeah. Uh, in fact, interesting, um, when Brexit passed, I have some friends who are Brits, and on their social media, they posted, we're a country again. Hmm. I was like, wow, hmm. that's that's an interesting, that's, that almost sounds like make England great again, <laughs> right? right. right? And, and so I might, might be part of it. Hmm. That, that word nationalism is being thrown around as a as a shorthand for populism mm. uh, versus uh, the global elites, whatever right. that is. I mean, some of this feels more like conspiracy theory and I know. Well, they and some sort of dualism and there's that's the problem. It's, yeah, it's very vague. It, it is, and and even this term Christian nationalism, I would say I don't think anyone's got a great definition. Okay. I think there's a lot of definitions out there, right, right. and I think it's going to take some time for this to get fleshed out. Right. Uh, but I think we can add to that conversation. But you've got you've got a workable definition for us. Right? I do, I do. And there's recently been a book that's gotten a lot of conversation. Um, it is entitled "Taking America Back for God," published mm -hmm. by Oxford Press. It came out this year. Uh, authors um, Andrew Whitehead and Samuel Perry, and 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 their their whole point is that if you want to understand how Trump got elected. Mm. You need to understand Christian nationalism. Mm. That's that's kind of one of the main pieces. Now, I'm not going to give too much away about this book <laughs> right. because part of our podcast is to encourage you to do your own work. <laughs> right. Yeah. right? This is not Cliff's Notes, right. where I'm going to see what Stanley Drake said. They read the book. We pay the money. You pay your own money. <laughs> and so, so what they would say, uh, what Christian nationalism is, they would say it's, it's an explicit ideology content of Christian nationalism comprises a belief about historical identity, mm. uh, cultural preeminence, and political influence. Mm. Uh, this includes symbolic boundaries that conceptually blur and conflate religious identity, Christian, preferably Protestant, with race, particularly white, uh, nativism, born in the United States, citizenship, American, political, which is usually socially and fiscally conservative. Uh, Christian national then provides a complex and explicit and implicit ideals, values, and myths. And I think that's part of the problem. You have implicit ideals mm -hmm. that sometimes it's hard to nail down. Uh, what we call cultural framework through which Americans framework, through which uh, Americans perceive and navigate their social world, mm -hmm. 
so I think this uh, smells of, of Charles Taylor's social imagining. Mm -hmm. uh, occasionally, people have confused the term nationalism. Uh, and so they would say, we do not strictly mean in a chauvinistic sense uh, of blindly believing that one's nation is superior to others. Those strong Christian nationalists would no doubt hold that sentiment about America. Um, Christian nationalism do tend to be more nationalistic. We mean something more like a Christian nationism mm. or what sociologist uh, Rogers Brubaker calls Christianism, a commitment to a vision of American civil life and polity as closely intertwined with an identitarian, politically conservative strain of Christianity. That's a lot of, a lot lot of, of big words. A lot of big words. A lot of big words, but we'll boil it down. Book. Boil it down, Dr. Draper. Yeah, yeah. Are, I, I, are they giving us a workable definition? I, I think they're, you know, I think this book is a good start in a conversation. Uh -huh. uh, these two gentlemen are social, they're, they're social, they're coming to this from a sociological perspective. All of this information was, uh, their book is built on uh, survey data that mm -hmm. they did uh, in 2017 through a project at Baylor University. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's going to take time, I think, for this to kind of flesh yeah, itself out. Yeah. Uh, and I think what tends to happen here in the book, and I don't think I'm giving too much away with this, is uh, on one hand, you, you can almost conflate Christian nationhood, that America is a Christian nation, mm -hmm. uh, with some sort of radical nationalism, right. okay? And, you know, in our conversation, right, you, are the Ku Klux Klan Christian nationalists? Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's 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 very nebulous. Right. I think it's very, and I think I and I I want to applaud these authors for getting the conversation exactly. started uh, and tackling the concept and trying to get the data right. down. Uh, but in the end, I I'm I'm still processing the book yeah. and the ideas. Um, and of course, we we're much more comfortable in the 19th century because that already <laughs> happened. Right. Right? Yeah. This is a live thing. Yes, it's, it so this one yeah. thing makes this harder is that. It's happening while we're talking. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's being nothing makes a story more uncomfortable. Exactly. We want it. We, you know, I always tell people, you want a good dissertation, pick somebody dead. Right. Yeah, right. right. And um, so that's that's. I think it's helpful. Uh, I think it's a start. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's a lot more unpacking to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot more unpacking. Yeah, because I, I think one of the the way it's used, it seems to me that nationalism, maybe this is part of the fuzziness, is that it actually is more of a negative definition than a positive. Yeah. So we don't like certain things. So when you call it nationalism, you can easily put it under an umbrella and then say, "Oh, see, all of this is bad." Yes. Right. Because you've already got you've already got this wonderful little marker called Hitler out there. Yeah. Where we've seen nationalism do some really horrific things. Yes. And you can tie a lot of different pieces. Sound similar? Not yes. just that he breathed oxygen and so do we. So that's a connection we don't want to use. Yeah. But he had ideas about traditions and heritage. Oh, yes. If you know what traditions and heritage. Is that nationalism? Yes. He believed in the, in the importance of the nation state. Yes. As a very important delivery of virtue and, and ethical responsibilities, whether you agree with his definitions. Yeah. Is he believed the nation state really importantly delivered on those things? Mm -hmm. Oh, so these people believe the nation state delivered. And it seems to me that what's happened is the the counter to that. We don't wouldn't call it communism. Is this idea of a sort of um, cosmopolitan global concern? We're concerned about the world, not my nation. If I put nation above world, now I'm a nationalist. So the other part is to say, well, then what you have to do is you have to then submit to the globe. No national identity yeah. is superior. National law, national um, citizenship, all yeah. of these things are. Yeah, we all report to Brussels. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it almost seems like the reason that we're struggling to get a good handle on the term as a definition 
It's because we actually are seeing it more than negative than positive. Well, and I think there's two problems too. So now we're gonna go to the whiteboard. I think we're having a problem with the word nationalism, right? That's one problem. Mm -hmm. But then there's this other problem. This this term is being modified by right. Okay. Right. So what do you mean by this? What do you okay? mean by Christian? And yeah. Christian nationalism, right. right? So you know, you already said I'm not calling you Nazis. Right. Right. You're not national socialists. Yeah, yeah. Right. You're Christian nationalists. So what is that? Right. And 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 then this this is where the confusion comes. Right. Uh, the 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 book uh, does some some helpful definite explanation of kind of what they're getting at. But even when we look at some of the uh, conversations about people who maybe identify as Christian nationalists, mm -hmm. whether in exit polls or surveys like this, some of the people who kind of fall into this, they don't even go to church. Right, right. Okay, they don't even go to church. And, and an interesting statistic, it's that you know, the people who uh, might, uh, people who uh, tend to attend church more, who uh, read their Bible more, this is all part of the survey, mm -hmm. they tend to be less... Christian nationalists mm. in the areas of race, mm. immigration, mm. Uh, social justice. Mm. So what that says to me is if you're a really devout Christian, mm. that, you know, if you're reading your Bible, you're part of a church, you're less likely to fall for to some of this. Away there. And, and, and now the other thing, the other thing is complicate this. Well, let's do that. And let's do that. And, and is there are some people like Jamar Tisby, uh, who is the president of The Witness, mm. and he really believes that Christian nationalism is the big problem amongst white evangelicals mm. today. And he actually and will say that really what we're dealing with is a white Christian nationalism. Mm. So now we're further kind of layers here. Yeah, yeah. we're further uh, modifying nationalism, yeah. and which is interesting because uh, I'm going to need this. Because if it's just a Christian nationalism, or even if it's just a Christian nation, okay, African Americans have used that. Hmm. Frederick Douglass yeah. uses this. He yeah. says, how can this happen? How can you do this to me? Right. I'm a Christian. Hmm. You're a Christian. And we're supposed to be a Christian nation, hmm. which is what people, a lot of people thought in the 19th century. Sure. How can you enslave me? Yeah. Right? I mean, I, if we were a pagan nation, then okay. Right. But the fact that my Christian brothers are doing this to me, and they say that these values are... so, And then, of course, Dr. King does a very similar thing. Yeah, right? Right. So, in other words, just being Christian nation or Christian nationalism doesn't necessarily mean you storm the capital. Right. <laughs> okay, so... Well, to your point, though, the fact that you're a Christian, you believe in a nation, because it's interesting you bring up Frederick Douglass there, because Frederick Douglass has a very high view of America as a nation. Yes. This is what he's questioning. He's not questioning this. Yes. He's not questioning nation, he's questioning Christian. And I think I think you're right. King, up until 67, I think he probably always held this. Yeah. Was he he never doubted that in fact the nation of America had and needed to live up to its Christian yes. responsibilities. Yes. And the nation itself was the best place to get this done. Now yes. he, when it comes to Vietnam, he's very critical of the nation, he's thinking more globally now. And I think you watch him in that speech really wrestle through something that was probably hitting him very hard and deep, which was, I wanna believe in my nation, but now I'm seeing it do evil around the globe. He was not only now wrestling with the Christian part, he was now starting to wrestle with the nation part. Yes. And that's intriguing. But I think up until then, for the most part, you don't see King and Douglas either wrestling with the combination of these. It's just, it wasn't living up to the promise of one half. So the, to that point, when Frederick Douglass is giving his famous speech, Fourth what is July. the 4th of July? What is yeah. the 4th of July to the slave? He quotes Albert Barnes. 
Ah, that's neat. Yeah. That's and I'm actually writing a paper on this right now, yeah. uh, doing some exegesis of that part of the speech. Mm -hmm. Because he quotes Dr. Uh, he, he calls him Dr. Barnes. Mm -hmm. You got that title, I think, back then <laughs> if you published enough stuff. And he says, and Barnes had this statement that there is no institution in the country, in the nation, that allows slavery to exist more than the church. Mm -hmm. He said, there's no organization that has more moral sway mm -hmm. over the people than the church. And if the Christians stood up to slavery, it would deal with this issue. And, 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 and Douglas quotes that. That's interesting. He quotes Barnes. Yeah. And so at this point, and of course we're talking the 1850s. Sure, sure. Okay, so in the 1850s, did American Christians see themselves in some ways as this is a Christian nation? In some way. Yeah. In some way. Well, you know, that, see, that to me provides more clarity, maybe to the modern contemporary world provides more confusion. Yeah. But because you're you're the way that Douglas Barnes and I, I would even Arthur argue King and of course Lyman Beecher who yeah. I wrote on, they wouldn't have seen they wouldn't have seen nation in this light, in nationalism like that is no. something they had no conception of. No. I, I, I would say if I can if I can take your point a little yeah. further and I don't know if this confuses it, is the nation on one hand combined with the power and the culture of the state. Yes. Right? Being particularly German or American or whatever it might be. And the nation having to do with some religious view, yeah. and that is something that provides the country with some moral, um, a moral compass. That I think for them, they would never have combined nation with state, which I think in World War II, and that's where we see this sort of develop, even in in, in Prussia in the 1870s, or in France or Italy, I guess for a while you can look at that. But they would have seen the nation as a, as the most important God-given institution yes. Yes. for realizing this. Because if you simply tell people go out and be Christians, but there's no national structure for that—an yes. economy where people can live and, right. and make food—and now the nations can make mistakes. There's no doubt about that. But a nation is tied to a religious underpinning or value system, yes. so that the people actually create what we're hoping they'll create, and that is virtue yeah. and good character. The, the problem I have with all of this is that when we see the term nationalism appear. It's not the combination of the nation, i.e. a people and a government, with a religious moral code, right. which is the basic Republican view of the 19th and 18th centuries. Yes. It's being used to define nation as a people connected with a state or a yes. government, which is, I believe, in most of these cases, the incarnation of the people. And therefore, if the state acts, it's acting on the benefit of the people. Well, let me ask this question then. So when we think nationalism as historians, particularly historians who have studied the 20th century, yeah. Is that why that word makes us uncomfortable? Because in nationalism in the 20th century, we've got Franco. Right. Okay. We've got Hitler. Oh, my. Okay. Let's even put Stalin. Stalin, yeah, right? right. And, and so, and here's a big difference, huge difference here. In these versions of nationalism, who would free the slaves? That's who right. has the power to free the slaves? These guys got the, the power. The state does. That's right. The state becomes the moral compass. Right. In this, what did Barnes say? Who was it? It was the church. The church, yeah, that's right. The church, through moral persuasion, that's right. changes the the hearts of the people that's right. and brings about change. Right. This type of nationalism is 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 a fiat. That's right. That's right. That's right. And let me let me. I, I think if I could, I don't mean to. Oh, I got more room here. Yeah. Let me let me say. And, and I'm sure still on the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll wander off into the other room yeah. here. I think you're exactly correct. I think that's a, so important to make the distinction here. And I don't think what we're saying is. A true Christian doesn't believe in the nation, or a true Christian has to believe in the nation. I don't yeah. think it's either of those. But I think you're exactly correct. When you say fiat, 
is that in the nationalism on the left side of the chart we've drawn, which is the nation, i.e. the people and a boundary and a language right. connected with a state, what happens in these environments is that the government, as it is, has the power to make whatever laws there are yeah. in order to meet the needs of the people. Yes. Right. So, and to your point, this is so important to make for people to hear. This arrangement for all the evil it can do can do a lot of good yeah. because the government doesn't have to wait for a constitutional amendment to fix segregation or slavery, which is exactly what the Russians were saying about us yes. in the 1950s yes. and 60s. The other view, if we say the nation, and this is where my huge problem with this term comes in, the nation combined with a religious moral code is not nationalism because what that says is that there's a rule of law over the government that keeps the government in check as it governs the people. Yeah. But here's the amazing thing about this, right? whether it works or not. The people have a responsibility to the law of God, which is the moral code. Yeah. So the moral code here is up to the people to develop exactly what you said about morals, yeah. where here the moral responsibility is what the government does yes. in order to ensure that the people needs are met. It, it really, it, and this even gets back to our conversations in early podcasts about and blogs about free speech and right. why in the republic this is so important because right. i think if i look at your picture here i almost want to flip that and say in in a in, a, in the ideal republic of of the 18th and 19th centuries the idea was that the people mm -hmm. through conversation through moral persuasion right. are shaping the government right. who then makes the laws right versus That's right. That's exactly the right. state making the laws controlling the conversation and that's controlling right. the people. That's this nationalism. Exactly right. Okay. And, I, and you said this before, I, I'm hoping not out on a limb here, but I think this is one of the great evils of the KKK. Yes. Is in its effort, it yes. had a moral code it wanted. It was not going to wait for the people. In fact, it, it despised part of its own population to enforce something on and the needs of the people it defined as yeah. people who agreed with them culturally. Yeah. Because here's the, here to me is where the, the one of the confusions comes in. In this one, cultural value mm -hmm. is... This is the this is the repository of cultural value. Yes, it knows what we like as a people and how it gets done, and then culture is what ties this whole thing together. So, in states where the people are homogenous, yeah, sharing a lot of cultural words and ideas the yeah. same, when the government comes with a heavy law, it's not taken harshly because it's expressing a cultural value I already possess. Yes, but and this is what the KKK I think attempted to do. Population was too diverse for it to work. Thank God, right. and it never really took. But in this arrangement, because the people, and this is exactly what I think Alexis de Tocqueville is wrestling with. And I wrote yeah. an article about Europeans looking at America, H.G. Wells, Friedrich Engels. This was the article from that you sent me. Right. We could post. We have a hot link for that. Yeah, we'll put that up there. Right. right. And, I, and what I what it shocked me is when the Europeans came over thinking this way is they said, how come Americans do not put their trust in a centralized government? Right. Because if you're thinking this way, they're the repository of what's good. Yes. And they'll pass laws to help us. We're here. You expect the people to be moral. Yes. And this is where culture. So culture now is supposed to inform people who have the responsibility to go to church, yeah. think godly. Yeah. So they pick good governors and pick good laws. How, to, in my mind, is this side of the chart where, in fact, law, the Constitution, natural law, whatever you want to say, is over government. And all can be equated to the left side of this chart, which yeah. is what we call in the late 19th and 20th century nationalism, right. which we have another word for. Socialism. Socialism. Yeah. Social. Well, they were the national socialists. National socialists. Right. That's I mean, that's, that's, and this is not the Nazi show. We're not trying to pick on, <laughs> you know, just, you know, but I mean, it's, it's, it, the language is right. there, right? You know, the, 
the Soviet, the socialist Soviet People's Republic. Right, that the term right? fits so, both of them. And it does, it does. I mean, they're they're really two sides of the same coin. Right. That's why they were able to ally, probably. Right, right? it was. It you was. know, you said too, too much egos in the room there. <laughs> right. And so um, with with this, and I think this is an important piece that, that, that has to get out. And again, we're not trying to defend Christian nationalism. No. Means we're trying to do some etymology work. Thank you, yeah. As historians, right. we're trying to do some Where's the term come from? And where's the term come from? But I think one of the differences in the period we studied in the 19th century and in the 18th century was this, that the social imaginary of the people, and social imaginary is basically your social imagination, right. how you see yourself fitting into society, right. how you see society working. Uh, we will post a link to Charles Taylor's book on this. Mm -hmm. It's not 900 pages. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And what, what, what I would say is in the social imaginary of Barnes and Beecher, mm -hmm. who we'll talk about in a little bit, they couldn't have imagined a republic surviving right. without the moral law and, and, and right. what we'll call Judeo-Christian values shaping the virtues of the people. That's right. Because the fear, the fear that they all had was that the republic would fail That's right. through tyranny. That's right. When And what would precipitate the coming of tyranny? Lack of virtue. You got it. I mean, yeah, and, and so and, and you can you can poo-poo this all you want to. I'm we're not saying it works. We're not saying it works, and we're not saying, and even with that, they still kept Frederick Douglass's ancestors <laughs> in slavery. Right, okay, right. so it's this not is a not solution. a perfect system. Right. Okay, um, but but that was the idea. I think something has changed, and again, I'm going to go back to my my watershed year, 1968. <laughs> right. No, I think you're right. Where I think for the first time. A more a larger majority of Americans mm. did not see Judeo-Christian values mm. as the system right. that was going to keep the people virtuous. That's right. In fact, quite the opposite. Those values are actually causing people to be unvirtuous That's right. through uh, repression That's right. and power and uh, uh, chauvinism, patriarchy. Victory heteronormativity, all those things. Right? All that language is birthed in the 60s, right. okay? And we, we've talked about that. So what's happened? In many ways, I think the Christian nationalism, we'll get into what, what it is, mm. but if there is, say, a Christian nationism, mm. which I do think there is. Yeah, that's a fair term. That's a fair term. There are lots of American Christians, and I've asked our students this question, mm. just out of curiosity. I said, how many people think America is a Christian nation? And no hands went up. Interesting. I said, how many people think America was a Christian nation? The hands go up. Interesting. I do that all the time. Mm. And I've done it at secular schools and at, at, at mm. Christian schools because I'm curious. Yeah, right. And even our students who were at a Christian college, Christian seminary, most of the time, if they have any kind of Christian nationhood in them, it was. Interesting. It was. And that's just part of what the book gets at. But what I would say with this is... <clears throat> with Christian nationalism, that once we move into the 1960s, mm. we start to get a different, what we'll call, moral law. Mm. That's right. That there's no agreed upon. There's no agreed upon moral law. Right. Exactly. Right. There's competing. Right. Right. There's competing. And, and some of the things that what we'll call the, the sexual revolution mm -hmm. moral code mm -hmm. is absolutely antithetical That's right. to the other code. That's right. Okay. 
And, and, and we haven't even talked about race, but that, that's baked into some of this yeah. as well, right? And so that's where I think we see the tension, right? So I think if there is a Christian nationalism today, and, and again, like I said, we have problems with the word. Yeah. In many ways, it is a reaction. It is saying oh, we want to bring yeah. America back. Because so much is Let's lost. make America great again. Yeah. And what does that mean? That's like the, abortion. That's the beauty in that statement, Dr. Spender. Mm. It can mean whatever you want it to mean. Mm. I don't tell you. Mm. Let's make America great again. You fill it in. Mm. Yeah. It's brilliant marketing. Yeah, it is good marketing. Well, right. to your point, I hadn't thought of it, but it is that very statement. Because because people have asked me, you know, why why does Trump, for all of his, in fact, students just asked me this this morning in a class, but for all of Trump's failures morally as an individual, why was he seen? And I tried to put this back on the chart I'm using here, we're using here, and saying because he at least invoked the idea that there has to be some moral framework for the individual and the government. And here's the here's the interesting thing about this is in the arrangement of this republic we've been talking about. If the government is not limited, or if the government tries to enforce moral law, if that's what it does, the people stop being virtuous because they're slavishly obedient. So yes. if, let's say, Trump says, and I remember people say this, well, why doesn't he just declare martial law and fix COVID? Well, in that in that case, he takes away freedom, which yes. is required for people to be good because you have to want to be good yes. and do good on your own. Right. I'm not saying Trump was moral, but he's invoking yeah. something that lies at the heart of a lot of people's thinking, specifically yeah. Christians in America. Yeah. Who really believe the individual conscience is capable of moral law. Yes. So classical liberalism, yeah. the agent of the individual, imagines it yeah. as, and then is able to follow it, not the government. And if there is a Christian nationalism today, what's baked in there is a libertarianism. Right. That would right. not want Trump to. But the other piece is I think, I think sort of the speaking out of both sides of your mouth. I think on one hand, you have people in the Christian nationalism world who's okay if Trump uses that power to go after right. their enemies. Right. Yeah. But don't take my freedom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is, and I think this is a great dichotomy. You've got MAGA versus hope and change. Mm. Hope and change was, was President Obama's okay. uh, tagline. This is forward looking. Mm. This is backwards looking. That's where it fits on the chart. It, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, right? That's right. This, this is hope and change. And when people hear that, What's interesting, Christian nationalists aren't saying, oh, yes, Obama's going to be the guy to change it back to what he wants. <laughs> Changes mean backwards. Mm -mm. No, no, no. The arc of the universe bending towards. Exactly. Yeah. But the, 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 the 60s generation, or whatever we want to call that, yeah. that, that movement, that reverse Christian nationalism, yeah. sees this as, oh, great, we're, we're going to get from, we're, we're going to bring about the values of the 1960s in some shape or form yeah. now, hope and change yeah. versus make America great again. again this is again, historical. Yeah, right, yeah. This is future. Well, that, so, so yeah, there's so much it goes into, which I think now that we're talking this way, let, let me, I just want to backtrack. Just Do we need to erase anything? I don't know. Not, okay. not yet. Not yet. There's right. too much up here. Okay. But I think on this chart, and those who are listening may not see it, but with nation in the middle on the left state, yep. when you combine those two, you get nationalism. Nation combined with religious moral culture and you get something else we call Christian Republic or yeah. not a, a nation that's Christian, but a nation that's resting on yes. Christian values. That what happens, I think, in the 1960s is that because we've trapped in this post-World War II language, that we can't imagine nation combined with religion not being nationalism. Yes. And, I, and you, you, you already brought up Charles Taylor. I'll bring up Benedict Anderson, imagine yeah. communities. Yeah. And I think what Benedict Anderson does for so many intellectuals is say, once the nation is discrete, it becomes nationalism. Yeah. 
And I mean, he's very clear about that. And I think a lot of people going to university in the 70s and 80s bought that hook, line, and sinker and yeah. said, now there's no other thing we can have. It's, it's classical liberalism that the individual is more responsible. That died in the trenches yes. in World War I. Now what we've got left is either the nation state or equality. Yeah. It's socialism, you know, well, and communism, too, or nationalism. The reason this becomes palatable. Nationalism. Right. Yes, and even this, the EU. Oh, yeah. Why? And not that we're linking. Yeah, these, sure. Okay, but. On this side of the chart. Anyway. Why do these become so palatable after, or particularly after World War One? Mm. Right? So, of course, you know, Hitler is all about post-World yeah. War One. Franco comes after. Stalin is a product of World War One. Oh, yeah, right? And the EU is really a product of all of this. Yeah. Saying we never want to do this again. That's right. That's right. We tried to commit suicide twice. That's right. We can't do this anymore. Well, you know, and to your point, if you look at Lenin's arguments around World War One, or Eric Hobsbawm's arguments yes. around, or Hobson's argument about World War One, is they don't actually blame all the things you're labeling here, the socialist states. They blame, they blame classical liberalism. Yes. And capitalism. Yes. So, so really, yeah. the, the idea that classical liberalism has always been a viable political alternative, yeah. they argue is just a lie. Yeah. So now we've come to the point where there, there are many people that still believe classical liberalism is possible, moral agency, the individual, and now they just go, oh no, that doesn't even belong. If yeah. you invoke that, you're basically just a nationalist of the wrong kind. Yes. If you're a globalist, we'd accept that. But, yes. but there's, there's nowhere in the discourse to say, I believe in the nation state, but I don't believe in, in nationalism that way because that, that, that constrains people. It's yeah. abusive. It's tyrannical. I want the nation state to be built on individual moral capability right. and responsibility. Well, and, the other thing and, 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 and by the way, let me say, I'm not saying that if you believe that, you think people will actually do it. Right. Because the people that said that were right. actually slaveholders all the time. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. So again, I, I don't want anybody to hear us saying no, no, no. Yeah, that we say you know, classical liberalism is a solution to problems. The problem no. is we don't have enough, enough breadth in our discourse to handle the wide range of complex problems we're facing. Right. Because we're trapped now between globalism on the one hand, which yeah. is free and good and nice, yeah. and anything that's not that is some version of Hitler. Yeah. Because if you say, I think there's moral right and wrong, and I'm not even saying religiously, because moral right and wrong has to be here so that people know how to act, I've taken one more step to concentration camps. Yeah, yeah. But there's, there's no disc, but people that oftentimes believe that are just as angry with Hitler as they are Stalin. Yes. Because they don't like national control of anything. Right. Way. And right. you're right. There are some people that look to Trump and hope he would create a new socialist state of a different sort. Yeah. Now, or, you know, I'm sure there were people who hope he created a Christian nation that was a nation based on their understanding right. of what Christianity is. Right. right? right. And, and that's that's a whole other kettle of fish here. What, what I would say, though, too, is it's important to get at this, is that this, when we talk about the 19th and 18th century Christian nationalism, mm. It's it's rooted in classical liberalism. That's right. Okay, because it's a product of of, of the Enlightenment. No getting around that. It's not. It's really what Mark Nola calls a, an American Christian republicanism. Yeah. Right. It's right. a marriage of Protestant Christianity and the values of the Enlightenment. Yeah, that's right. And they bring it together. But here's the thing, and, and uh, Tom uh, Holland has talked about this, as for all the damage that we and we can talk about. The 18th and 19th century. Mm -hmm. In many ways, though, there is something about this. The Christian part. The Christian part that makes even the American experiment possible. Right. And, and here's, let me do this experiment. Imagine, again, I am not saying, let's go back to Christian. Let, sure, let's yeah. make the West great again. <laughs> right. No, I'm not saying. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. 
can't even say can't it. Say, can't yeah. say But what I am saying is this, that there are certain values in Christianity mm -hmm. that were not in Plato and Aristotle. Yeah. That are baked in, yeah. like human dignity. Yeah. Uh, now, not that the Christians did it well. Let's, let's admit They that. didn't get the slavery thing right. Yeah. But, and, and more the pity, because they had the intellectual tools to do That's it. That's right. Where the ancient Greeks and Romans did not. That's right. And so, right. and, and so what I what I think is this, had, had Christianity not taken over the West, mm. and we just kind of, even now, we were just flash frozen in Aristotle and Plato. <laughs> There's been, it's Aristotle and Plato in the West all the way back, you know, 5,000 years. Would we have the Republic the way it is? Mm. You know, would we have abolition of slavery? Right. Would we have these types of things? Right. I don't know. Right. I don't have an answer to that. No. But I do think, in many ways, the Enlightenment, Descartes and Locke and Hume, were all playing with borrowed capital. Yeah, that's right. They were not starting from a purely pagan place. That's right. And they could say certain things, and there was a Vox Popula that people could fill in. Yeah, that's right. And But I'm not sure, for all its foibles, and I'm not saying, you know, MAGA, I'm not, <laughs> please don't, don't, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, as a thought experiment, very interesting. Erase Christendom. Mm. Erase the the influence of Christianity in the founding of the Republic. Mm -hmm. What does it look like? Yeah. Well, th I think that's that's Rodney Stark's point, really. Right? Yes. That's not that's 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 Tom Holland's point. Right. Yeah. We're, we we can't. And I think this is this is probably where this diet discourse is so poisoned. Is now the combination of Christianity with the nation, which is part of our heritage, yeah. is now being blamed for everything wrong, rather than seeing this wonderful inheritance we've been given. Yeah. That there is at least this concept that the individual has more responsibility, because if you go too far down the road to socialism, um, really the, the people need not have any moral character at all, because the government will supply it all. Yes, the government will dictate, manage resources and character. But every time that's been tried, and this is something too about. The rise of nationalism that was so hated even by the Americans in the 1950s yeah. is socialism, whether nationalist or communist, had created great evil. Yeah. And so if you combine the people and their identity, a thing we call the nation, with the state and all of its power, the track record's really bad. Yes. It's really bad. I mean, it's bad to the tune of hundreds of millions of dead yeah. in revolutions and atrocities. And, and, they, and the founders saw this, right or wrong, they believed if the nation, the people, is not tied to a government, rather tied to a moral foundation, and this is, goes back to your Christian country thing, yeah. that Christianity was in fact the architecture yeah. of the Republic. So where's Thomas Jefferson every Sunday morning when he's a, when he's a president? Yeah, yeah. He's in the House of Representatives, which was a church. Yes, so, yes, that's yes. That's where the church yes. went. Now, he didn't really think that the church was all that important, but no. he knew what Washington knew. Yeah. If the people are irreligious, yeah. there's no way to hold this Republic Because together. they didn't really see, I don't, they didn't have the, the moral imagination at that point to see having a moral compass without some sort of deity. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, even Jefferson, right? Oh, yeah. Was still a deist. Oh, he wasn't going to be an atheist. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think, really, the idea of creating a moral compass and, and killing God off, that's more of a 19th century. That's exactly right. right? And, and not even popularly until 20th century. Exactly. Even taken Exactly. So, so that's, that's let me erase the board and now get into the negatives. Because I think we've tried to make a case for... Let's keep Christian nationalism up there and get rid of the rest of this right. other stuff. I think I can manage that. 
So, so you're saying negatives? What do you mean? Like the negatives? Well, I mean, so the term being used, or the well, we 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 really we're, we're saying okay. I'm not sure this is the best word to use, right? Because it's the etymology could mean something oh, else. Oh man, could it ever? And and it, it does mean something else in different contexts. Okay. All right, but if, if if it's if it's short for nation is okay. That, yeah, the term, okay. Yeah. You know, American Christian nationism this idea that america is a christian nation or was a christian mm -hmm. nation okay there i think you have the spectrum as well yeah. see i think it was much easier to sell that in the 19th and 18th century yeah. because most people were christians right. of some stripe right okay. and all believed they needed to be yes but if you think about it, 1960s are not just a social turning point they're also a demographic turning point right. because of immigration yeah that's right and it's been that way yeah since the 1960s so yeah. you know our entire lifetime there's been a lot of immigration there's been a pluralism america is truly multicultural yeah. it is truly pluralist uh so in 1963 to take you know your 1960 prayer in schools you weren't going to get a lot of pushback right, right? by 1968 by 1988 yeah. my class in philly yeah, I might have been the only Christian kid in the room because right. I went to school in a Jewish neighborhood. Right, yeah, right. right? I went to school in a Jewish neighborhood with Russian immigrants <laughs> who were escaping communism, right, yeah. uh, Israeli immigrants. Mm -hmm. uh, there were the Asian immigrants up the road who were Buddhists. Right. I mean, it was it was truly a multicultural experience, mm -hmm. and depending on what block you live in. Yeah. And so, what does it look like that prayer in school there? Mm. You know, I mean, like, right. do we just pick the biggest group and they get to pray from their book? <laughs> I mean, how's that work? And so, but I think what we're, what, what's happened since January 6th is Christian nationalism seems to be a pejorative term mm -hmm. to say, you know, if, if you're a white evangelical and you think that the, the country should have values based on Christian mm -hmm. values, you're a Christian nationalist. Yeah, that's right. You know, if you stormed, if you jumped on Nancy Pelosi's desk, you're a Christian nationalist. Right. You know, if you're against abortion, you're a Christian nationalist. Right. Um, Max Licato actually recently spoke at the National Cathedral in Washington. Oh, and there's a lot of upheaval about it mm. because of his position on sexuality. Mm. And the, there were Episcopals from D.C. saying, why were we allowing this man with such hateful values mm. speaking in our church? Mm. That's new. Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah. So... So what's happening is where where I think in the 18th and 19th century, you probably the the, the national cathedral would have not wanted a universalist. Right. Okay. Now we're at a point where someone who would have been perfectly comfortable in the 18th and 19th centuries mm -hmm. now is not welcome. Yeah, that's right. To the national cathedral, that's a big shift. Yeah, that's a massive shift. That's yeah. a big shift. Well, and to your to to your point, I think what you know what America was able to do, oddly enough, while it had racial and cultural differences is it kept that broad sense of general judeo-christianity moral values and yeah even even immigrants that come over i'm not saying they were christians but they they understood at some point that they were bound together by some sort of legal framework the constitution bound together by some commitment to individual responsibility through markets and hard work all this gets plastered together in the 19th right, century in christian right. thought they all committed to that because they they believed there was the shared commitment if you Thinking back about even World War II soldiers and reading their stories, how many references to the Bible there are, right. they wouldn't have agreed theologically no, speaking. No. But the Bible was the framework for well, how they imagined. Bible Niebuhr's Serenity Prayer yeah, was right. given to all the troops. That's right. Right. That's right. He's a Protestant pastor. That's right. 
so you know, Bob, and, and then becomes the prayer for AA, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. I mean, so yes. it, it shows that 1960, Run Home Neighbors, Man of the Year on, on Time Magazine. Yeah, that's right. And I think, I think so what, what ends up happening in the classical view, if we're going to go back to this, is the law sits over the government, whatever the natural law, not just constitution, there's something universal that governments, that's why the government can't do everything it wants, it's limited by that. And then it governs the people, but the people have a responsibility to understand the moral law. And I would say what's happened previously, it doesn't have to say Christian out of the Gospels, but this moral law was roughly considered to be housed in the Bible. Yeah. That's why the Bible was the textbook in yeah. all the schools. Yeah. They weren't pushing people to get saved and say the sinner's prayer. Well, especially when liberal Protestantism was really the religion right. of the 1950s. And, and they 40s. held the same thing. Yeah. They held the view that this was the basic moral law. They might not law. have been inerrantists. No, of course not. But they still had a high view of it. But it's the moral law, which yeah. is why evangelicals are nervous even around this idea that the Bible is just a secular book to make people Right. Pray. But this, to me, this idea that the Bible and the moral law are the individual's responsibility was, I would say, the culture a culture that held this together. What, what's happened in the 1960s and forward, because I think you're exactly right, we blame this whole framework. Yeah. So this now is no longer the way of America. It's what's evil about America. Yeah. Therefore, if you go back and claim the cultural values of that thing anymore, yes. then you're actually recapitulating all the things of the past. Yeah, exactly. So to your point, the history for this view yeah. is actually a valuable thing because it teaches us how consistent the moral law is yeah. when you do. And look at the founding. It's all based on historical analysis of, of Rome and the Greeks and Scandinavian countries and Italy. It's constantly looking at history as a lesson. To your point, with when we move to this new view, sorry, I'm, re, I'm redrawing the whole thing. That's right. okay. When we go to this view that the government actually uses whatever law it needs to, there's no constraint on it whatsoever in order to govern the people. Now the government gets to decide what that cultural value is, and they can look past history and do whatever they want. Right. They can reimagine this. Well, they can also it can be a cultural, it can be an intellectual or a chronological snobbery. Oh, of course. Say, hey, hey, like, now let me let me say this though, and I'm going to erase this. Yeah, do it. Um, Everyone's seen that. Not, right. But I, I maybe we just need powerpoints. Um, <laughs> so but, much more fun. Yeah, I know. But 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 what I think what what in here. And I'm going to go to, uh, say, Jamar Tisby's point. Okay. Is there a whiteness baked into this? And I think, really, this Christian nationalism has now become almost an umbrella. Sorry for the image. Okay. Okay. It's become an umbrella where you can put all these different things in. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And because there are people who think America is a white Christian nation. Mm -hmm. It was a white Christian nation. Uh, it, it, it shouldn't have immigrants, except for my grandparents, before, you know, but nobody <laughs> oh, no, ever no, and, and so it's, it's, it's baked into some of that for some of the people. And I think even, even the work that the, the book talks about, mm. this is a diverse group. Don Draper, mm. Don Draper, or one other. It's a diverse group. Yeah. And it, it covers a lot of different yeah. groups and a lot of different. But does it, do you say it covers it for the people that are in here or for the way we lob them in there i i think i think what happens is this has become a catch-all term yeah, I think so. okay yeah, I agree. that in some cases is a helpful descriptor and i think there are people in here i think within this umbrella you have people bible believing christians okay who uh you know white bible believing christians who have the patriot study bible yeah and get all their history from david barton <laughs> okay yeah george washington okay. thomas jefferson Evangelical, right? Yeah, that's actually right. been argued. Huh? Right. Yeah, Jefferson, they, they, certainly Washington. Yes. That argument was made. Yes, you know they were out of Whitfield revival. You know, yeah. like it, it's it's 
And and, and American Christianity and Christianity should be the privileged position. White should be privileged. You know, there, there is some of that for some people. Yeah. But I think, and, and I don't think Jamar is completely wrong about that. And I think if we go back to what Dr. King and Fred Douglas pointed out was, even here, it was really a Christian nation for white folks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what they were saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's what Jamar, I think, is trying to say. Um, but I also think that somebody who's not okay with what we just talked about, who's not okay with the shift that's taking mm -hmm. place, they don't see sexual liberation as a virtue. Mm. They don't see pro-choice right. as a virtue. Right. Uh, they don't see the White House being lit up in rainbow black colors as a virtue. Right. Are also being thrown under here. Yeah. And and some of them might not be white supremacists. Yeah. Uh, they might not. They might not be the most reflective people, but they're not white supremacists. Right. They, yeah. But where do they go? The umbrella's been built. Yes. They've already been placed under it. So there's no yes. other. And I, I think you're right. This is this reductionism has happened. Yeah. So that you, there's no longer a fair discourse between ways of thinking, you know, creatively about this. Yes. If you don't agree with the globalist, cosmopolitan, openly tolerant, everything view. Yes. This, is the, last, this is the last home for you. Yes. If, if you're not a global, elitist, uh, sexual libertine, you know, sexual revolution values, all that. Uh, then you're this, that's right, that's right. you know, and it gets to your point. We've created these binaries yeah. that aren't helpful. Yeah, they're not helpful. But I don't, I do think the book, and I do think Jamar, and I do think some of the conversation is into something. There are some people well, who identify as Christian who have an unhealthy relationship with the but nation. But this, this is the problem. We could actually talk about those people yeah. as distinct if they weren't lobbed in with everyone that had a different opinion. So exactly, well, we almost need to dissect the umbrella. You got to dissect the umbrella. Yes. If you don't, then the one person actually that's an unfair representation or maybe is a danger yes. is so lobbed in with the old lady that doesn't like abortion. Yes, that you can't actually distinguish them to it's, talk it's, about the value. One of the one of the defenders like of a sort of unhealthy Christian nationalism, sort of when you conflate uh, the nation. Yeah. Uh, with Christianity, yeah, right. Um, you know that that um, there's an essence or something. Yeah, you know that the new Israel. Yeah. Okay. There's some marker you could use to actually identify these people. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But, they, but this term is used in such a way anymore that you really can't it, it has become, and that's and that's where I think the scholarship needs to get involved. Yeah. In this. I think the scholars need to unpack this. And the thing is, the the way we we do dialogue today is part of the That's why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Right. This is not a tweet. Right, right. That's We've why. exceeded 244 times. I think we did about an and, hour ago. And, 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 and to be part of this, you need to invest the time to either listen to it and watch yeah. it and maybe do the readings. Yeah. We're asking you to do the hard work. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. I think where we want to land on this is just we want we want people to think. We know people aren't going to agree with us, and people are going to say, yeah. Yeah, but you're leaving out five million things and these other examples of what and, and that's why there's a reading list. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that what we're what we're trying, what we see ourselves even wrestling with ourselves, because I don't know if we've landed on anything as much as is, is this a better way to frame it so we can actually talk about it? Because yeah. I think in the public square, and I would ask you this as a listener, in how many of these explanations you've agreed with, is there actually room to disagree? Yeah. To like talk through it, or, yeah. or is the framework you've been given. This framework, you either agree with the people that are out there, maybe you agree with these decisions. Right. But think about everyone that doesn't, that would like to offer an opinion, say, I, I don't know if I agree with all of that. Can you listen to it? Or yeah. do you lump them back into the umbrella and go, okay, they're just another white nationalist, right? Yes. That's interested yes. in racial superiority. Or heteronormativity or patriarchy. Whatever the tier. Whatever, yeah, whatever the tier. Yeah, exactly. And th this is, I think this is the mistake of 
so in the book, they have this spectrum. And there's the people who just absolutely, they're, they're known as the resistors. And they yeah, completely yeah. reject the idea of a Christian nation. And so you have some people who would disagree with everything we just said, because they'd say, no, America was founded as a secular nation. Right, right, it's yeah. church separation of church. Jefferson state. wall of separation. Yes. Yeah. And they would say, you guys aren't right. Yeah. You know, that you might be right about Barnes and Beecher, but they brought that in. That's secondary. <laughs> they right. added that. Right. But that's not where Jefferson and the boys were. Yeah. And what we're saying is that's fair. Jefferson was not Barnes and Beecher, but he also was not a 21st century no, no, secularist. No. no. Yeah. Because he didn't have that social imagination. No, that was a totally later. And yeah. exactly. And, yeah. and, so, and, and Jefferson's clear about it. If you, if you know what you're looking for when you read, it's yes, pretty, pretty yes. I mean, so so that's so you have these extremes of, of what what I would call the 1968 interpretation. Right. Versus the David Barton right. American Christian nation. Yeah. And there's the there's the there's the extremes. Even in the study, most people live somewhere in the middle. That's right. Okay. Even some people, most people live somewhere in the middle. Um, but you do have the people in this. And but I I think you have people in the church today, and you have white Christians who voted for mm -hmm. Donald Trump, not out of white nationalism, more a concern or a fear of where America was going. Right. Yeah. And it's not they they even have a fully worked out this. Right. right. I do think there are people who do. Yeah, sure, that's right. Um, and we can't we can't deny, we can't sit here and deny there's footage yeah. of people storming the Capitol yeah. Yeah. with Trump flags, Confederate flags, and Jesus flags. Yeah, yeah. No, and, I, and again, again, I don't I don't think to say that the umbrella needs to be broken up doesn't mean that there aren't people that don't legitimately belong in there. Yeah. But I do, I do think it's time that we start using terms that aren't designed to be divisive or terms That's that allow That's a great point, for, Dan. Yeah. And then, yeah, terms that just allow for some diversity. Have we thoughts. set ourselves up? We have. And then quite frankly, in the hubris of dumping everybody in this, we've stopped being critical of our own theories. Well, and you know what happens? You throw everybody in this and they're going to create their own umbrella for the seculars. And we've already done it. It's already yeah. happened. See, they're the Marxists. But they're all communists. We're fascists. Right. They're Marxists. Right, exactly. We're, you know what? In fact, I was driving in Lebanon, PA, during the election, biking, cycling. <laughs> and there was a guy with a sign. <laughs> I am a member of the basket of deplorables and proud of it. Yeah, right. Right? He, he fine. took it as a bad. Yeah. Right, right, right. And, and, and so... And, and again, that that's not getting at the the real problems that are here. We're not yeah. just trying to do what about is in yeah, there. Right, right, there's right. real problems in our country. Yeah. There's no denying right. that. And there's real racial problems. There's real caste problems. We, we're talking about right. that as well. Right. And some of that gets tied up in here. Yeah. Some yeah. of it's not this. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I think and I think and I, I think it would help to have a space where we could actually because we can address those problems in a more creative way, not yeah. not reject or deny that people have been hurt by things. Absolutely. Like this. And that, that's a whole nother picture. We're talking now just about how to frame it. We also got to ask questions of people that don't care what you call it, Christian nationism or whatever, yeah. they're still people hurt by it. Yes. And you and I have talked about it. Classical well, liberalism yeah. was the was the the government of the state, which was the hardest to get rid of slavery and segregation. So it, it, it doesn't it doesn't mean again that we have to make one of these you know, the, the solution, but it does mean that we've got to at least broaden the discourse enough to actually talk about them. In the church, you have this debate where you have the one group saying, well, you're an American Christian nationalist, and the other side, well, you're critical race there. That's right. Yeah. And they're both, they both become sort of code for fascist. Oh, that's what it is. You know, Marx. Antifa, Antifa, uh, and, yeah. Antifa and, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and that's not and healthy. It's not, it's not helpful. And 
The problem is they can't even hear each no, other anymore. No, not not when it's on this on spectrum. Yeah. In fact, the very the very reason you're on this one is because you hate the other side. And, yeah. and and so you don't define the other side as someone listening to you. you define them as the one that's dangerous to the country. Yeah. And I'll make my one plug too. I think part of the problem is that this conversation is not happening in community. That's right. No, I agree. It's happening on Twitter. Yeah. It's happening right. on Instagram. It's happening on Facebook. Right. It's it's happening in these spaces. Right. Right. That are unhealthy. I mean, and I, and there's a lot. There's I think there's a lot we can do here. I um, I think I think future podcasts we actually got to look at some break some of these other pieces down and provide some more spaces. Yeah. For them. But I think yeah. I think this gives us a good start anyway. I think so. I think it helps think people wrap it. their head around yeah. this concept. We're going to put some materials up, some yeah. books. Yeah. Keep reading. Keep keep, reading, keep listening keep to these ideas. Uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at unlikelypilgrims at gmail.com yeah. uh, to say, hey, can you clarify this? I think that's healthier than comments on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, no, we don't do Twitter. comments. Yeah, we don't. Uh, you yeah. can follow us on Facebook now at unlikelypilgrims.com. Uh, right. You can search us, and you can search us at Twitter uh, at unlikelypilgrims at City of God. That's right. Uh, so feel free to check that out. We're posting that. but. Those aren't the spaces I think to have good dialogue. Sure. We're I not intending those spaces. We're not intending. We're really those are spaces to find the content. That's really where we're using right. those. If you want to have a good conversation with us, we're welcome to do an email. Do an email. I yeah. think that's much healthier. Or talk with your friends. Talk with your friends. Maybe even talk with them. <laughs> yes, loud, don't right? talk at them. So, well, Dr. Spencer, I Thank think this you, was Dr. helpful Dr. for me. And I hope it's helpful for our listeners and our viewers. Yeah, now that they can actually see what what we're doing. Uh, And we're hopefully going to continue having more conversations about the division in the church. We want to bring some guests in. Yeah, very exciting. And have some dialogue and get some other voices into this because we need to dialogue as well. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's our goal is the dialogue. This is just us getting some things on the table. Yep, great. Thanks. Thank you.